coming up on this episode of the Goldilocks Zone. It's version two, that's right, movies that have made a comeback. We're looking for things that are a long span of time between the reboot, the remake, or the sequel. How did they fare with the remake? We'll tell you coming up on this episode of the Goldilocks Zone. You're entering the Goldilocks Zone, episode number 11, recorded May 7th, 2015. Movies remade, rebooted, and repeated. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Goldilocks Zone, the podcast that is an original. That's it. We're not doing it again. We're the original, but that's not going to stop us from talking about those fantastic remakes. I'm Sean Jennings, and I am joined by the uh, Matt Mariani to Matt Mariani Harder. It is Matt Mariani. Hello there, Mr. Sean. I, I prefer the nickname The Retcon, the if retcon. you don't mind. Oh, there you go. There you go. Man, don't sequels just have the best subtitles? They do. They do. Someone's always returning or uh, avenging something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like it when they do uh, when they put the number in the title, or when it's yeah, like, you that's know, always fun. And then too fast, too furious. Too fa- the Fast and the Furious movies, let's be honest, have the best sequel titles because it's uh, and I'll try and get these in the right order because I never um, because they don't make a lot of sense. But as I type in and look it up, um, <coughs> excuse me. So Fast and the Furious is the first one was the fast and the furious wasn't it yeah i believe it was just the fast, the and, fast the furious. and the furious which is important because then the sequel was too fast too furious yeah then there was no number fast and the furious tokyo drift mm-hmm. then fast and furious <laughs> yeah then fast five fast and furious six and now furious seven that's not confusing at all not at all. I it's such it. an easy, yeah, so easy to keep track of. <laughs> and, uh, uh, ah, who cares? It's fun. Um, yeah. Well, thanks all of you out there for joining us. I think we've got an exciting topic to talk about. Before we get there, let me remind everybody, you should go to our website, goldilockshow.com. It's on the internet. You go http colon slash slash www.goldilockshow.com. Go there. All of the past episodes, audio, video, the whole shebang on YouTube as well for the video. And, of course, our audio is available via RSS. You can get it on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and in most major podcasting apps. Um, You can also follow us on Twitter, at Goldilocks Show, and on Facebook, facebook.com slash Goldilocks Show. The links to all of those on our website. Again, goldilockshow.com. Before we do that, we have to remind ourselves of last week's question, or actually two weeks ago's question, uh, when we asked the following, which was coming back after our conspiracy theories. Tell us a conspiracy that you consider to be underrated by the mainstream conspiracy crowd. So this is one that may have been ignored by the, the, the politically savvy conspiracy theorists, those at the top of the conspiracy pyramid, which by itself sounds like a conspiracy, but... Um, which ones are they ignoring? Matt, did you have an opinion on this one? Mm. Or has it been so long, like me, <laughs> you forgot your answer? Because I feel like I had a really good answer. And now I, I, I feel that way too. And, and then it just, over, over the, long, uh, the long drought that we had in not doing the show, I, I think I kind of forgot what my answer was. But you know what? I'm, I'm, uh, 
I'm feeling like it's going to have to be um, the uh, cancellation of King of the Hill. Is that a con- – go on. I think there was a vast conspiracy to get the show King of the Hill off the air. Mr. Matt? Mr. Matt? Mr. Matt, you there? Oh, I'm sure you didn't have anything. Oh, God damn you, Skype. Having connection problems. All right. Uh, I'm going to... Uh, Matt, are you there? All right. I will pause the recording. We'll be right back with uh, hopefully Matt. All right. And we're back with Matt. Matt, please continue with your conspiracy theory around King of the Hill. Well, like I was saying, Sean, they brought Tom Petty in the last season to voice Luann's boyfriend, right? Uh, Lucky, his name was. So... What what actually happened in that period of time was you should have seen a ratings jump, right? Because when you introduce a famous uh, star, obviously the ratings are going to go up, right? Isn't that what happens? Are you Googling evidence behind my conspiracy? Because I, I promise you there isn't any. I don't know that much about King of the Hill, so I'm just I'm more or less learning a bit so I can much. tell you. Wh- Matt, I have to figure out some reason to tell you why you're wrong. So. <laughs> um. So that was the first part of it. Second part of the conspiracy, all right, is that they killed off Hank's father, Cotton. He He's killed off in the last season uh, at a Japanese restaurant. Uh, the reason for doing this, obviously, because they're trying to sabotage the show. I'm not sure who is trying to sabotage the show, but whoever is against having King of the Hill on the air. Uh, the third reason that I believe that this is the biggest conspiracy that hasn't been talked about is uh, that the King of the Hill appeared on Netflix about, I would say, approximately six months ago and was promptly removed from Netflix nary a month later. It was only on Netflix for one month, Sean. Yeah, Matt, uh that's an interesting conspiracy theory. Um, I, I would say it was mostly canceled because Fox aired it at 7.30 on a Sunday where it was often preempted by sports, plus the show had already been on the air for a decade, and um, Fox was already looking to expand its McFarlane empire with Cleveland show. But, you know, you, you can go ahead and have your conspiracy theories. Well, that's what they want you to think, Sean. That is what they, and that's that's what what they I'm going want to think. you to think. And I'm going to agree with them. The Cleveland show... Come on. Listen, I'm, I'm, you're okay. I, what you a know. sad world we live in. <laughs> oh, the Cleveland show was pretty terrible. I'm, I'm going to agree with you. That was not, yeah. that was not very strong. No. Well, Matt, thank you for walking us through that conspiracy theory. Um, so I guess we'll never know the true answer to what I happened think to King of the Hill. Now you should tell us what you think your conspiracy theory is, Sean. Uh, you gotta have one. you have to have one uh so my conspiracy theory is that dunkin donuts murdered the it's time to make the donuts guy now do you remember it the, the time to make the donuts guy actually yes i was strangely enough i was just talking about this with someone at work today I mean, because he used to be in all their commercials. He was he was the kind of the creepy, weird guy, and he was always, it's, you know, <laughs> time to make the donuts, and he would make the donuts. And then all of a sudden, one day, he just vanished. My thought is, he discovered Dunkin' Donuts' secret donut ingredient. People. No. 
They're pets. No. Sugar. Oh, sugar. He discovered Dunkin' Donuts was adding extra sugar to their products, making them unhealthy. And as you saw by his physical fitness, he was a fitness buff. Look at that guy. He had a six-pack ripped abs. Go watch those commercials. (laughs) Anyway, he was going to tell the world and Dunkin' Donuts had him offed. Mm. And that's why he did pass away straight under strange circumstances several years ago. I'm just saying him, him and the where's the beef Wendy's lady. I mean, the two of them, what, what happened? Actually, now that you think about it, think about all those famous commercial spokespeople like uh, Joe Isuzu and help I fallen and I can't get up lady and Billy Mays. They all died. That's true. Wow. Mm. Don't ever be in a commercial people. I guess not. It is it is dangerous. Mm-hmm. It's a dangerous line of work, very competitive. I think OSHA needs to look into that. Yeah, man, that's something something suspicious is going on. Don't get a progress a flow from progressive. Watch out. They're coming for yeah. you. Um I, I hope that was good enough for something I made up on the spot. Um that's it. No more conspiracy theories. We're done. <laughs> We're done. We gotta move on. Right. Um and get to today's topic. So, Matt, there was an epidemic going on. In our, in our great nation. And uh, around the world, quite frankly. People have run out of original ideas. There just aren't any anymore, frankly. There aren't... It just doesn't exist. I think Goldilocks is almost probably the last one. Um, and so the, the, the problem is, reboots and remakes. Right before we got in the air, I was watching the new trailer to Vacation. Which is Vacation. the long-awaited sequel to National Lampoon's vacation this one starring ed helms as chevy chase's son (laughs) um we also see the ghostbusters remake starts filming this year uh we will also i'm trying to think of there are so many examples um of course disney's doing live action versions they've done a live action cinderella and they're doing live action versions of all their famous stories um let's see what else um can't wait for the live action version of Aladdin and they're going to have to go and find an actual genie. <laughs> That's going to be fun. I think I think it would be fun. I hope they do like really cheesy um makeup. I mean, there was a time when you could just paint Robin Williams blue, but sadly that that time has passed. Mm, yes it has. But we are in the time of the reboot, the remake, the sequel. So we talking lions for the Lion King. Talking lions. We thought, let's focus and talk about some of these. Are they good? Are they bad? Our only criteria, a long span of time between the original and the one that followed. So no immediate sequels. No, you know, Transformers. Yes, they had several movies. Yes, they were all terrible. Doesn't count because they made them one after another. Ghostbusters is a better example where there's 30 years between when it was made and when it wasn't. That's when you're really scraping the bottom of the idea barrel. (laughs) <laughs> okay they just came out with a new odd couple tv series so you're really going back pretty far so that's right we're going to talk about movies we've got a list of the ones we got we're going to talk about and i think we should start with um uh planet of the apes okay planet of the apes it's so, a good starting point <laughs> many of you may know the uh original version 1968's Planet of the Apes, directed by Franklin J. Schaffner and starring Charlton Heston, most notably, um, as a uh, astronaut spaceman who uh, crash lands on a desolate-looking planet um, and finds out that it is inhabited by a race of apes 
with human-like intelligence and speech um, and are the dominant species over a weaker humankind. Spoiler alert, it was Earth the whole time. Matt, you are you damn are, dirty apes. You damn dirty apes, that's right. Uh, Matt, did, did, are you, or have you watched the original? Are you familiar with the original? I have watched the original, and I've also watched the remake. And you've watched the remake. Well, of course, the remake, 2001's Planet of the Apes, directed by Tim Burton, starring Mark Wahlberg, most notably, mm-hmm. and Helena Bonham Carter, who is in everything Tim Burton makes. Um, essentially, uh, a remake of the original. It's it's not, you know, we talked about this before the show, the new dawn of the planet and rise of the planet of the apes. Those are prequels, right? Totally yeah. different from the original story. This version, 2001's version, a remake in every sense of the word, almost shot for shot, except for yeah. the slight change in the ending. Yeah, yeah, but it was the, it was the same premise, just done in a different way. Exactly. So, um, you know, I'll start, I'll start talking about them first. But you know, for me, the original Planet of the Apes movie is a fantastic plot and a well written movie with one of the world's worst actors, Charlton Heston, in it, who is just shouts a lot for, like, two hours at people and is just really overacting, and he's terrible in it. But I think the plot of the movie is really great, which lends itself to a remake, right? For me, a good remake movie is a movie that didn't live up to its potential the first time or left a story hanging that wasn't told right. Yeah, I think Planet of the Apes is, is actually a pretty good candidate. The problem is when you have a movie with a sort of a twist ending like that, one of those thinker movies, it's really hard to remake because everyone knows what happens at the end, right? You're not really hiding that secret. Yeah. Um, unless you rewrite the ending and unless then you just kill the, the entire spirit of the movie. But then it's not a remake, right? Then it's sort right. of a, a, a reboot or, or however you want to phrase it. Um, in terms of 2001's Planet of the Apes, you know... I don't think it was a, 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 as bad of a film as a lot of people make it out to be, um, to be honest. I think I think some of the scripting ideas weren't really great. I think they leaned a little too much on sort of the action side and uh, like a, any movie that came out in 2001. Um, <clears throat> and I also didn't like the sort of re... the change of the ending where he actually does get off the planet. Um but other than that, I didn't think it was a particularly bad movie. Um, I think both the original and the remake both had separate flaws that that sort of doomed them to not be that great a movie. I just think, of, and I think that's why the new prequels have been so successful, is I don't know if it's a story you're going to get away with retelling. Because it is such a unique story that you already know. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I've... I mean, it's been so long since I've even seen the remake of the uh, Planet of the Apes movie. Uh, see, I remember it being pretty pretty bad, actually. And I, I might have to say, uh, not really. Um, it was basically the original movie, just just shot in like mo- with modern effects. It was actually kind of. It felt kind of lazy. Like nothing was really changed dramatically. Uh, it was basically like an updated version of the old movie, but not even in the sense of like a remake, like remakes are that it just didn't add anything. It was just like kind of taking the old movie and fast forwarding it up bringing it kind of like up to modern effects, but you didn't really, he didn't really interject. And the director was, um, Ridley Scott. 
Was it Ridley Scott? For the Tim Burton. Tim Burton. Sorry, yeah. Tim Burton. He uh, no, he like he didn't. Tim Burton has his own style. Obviously, one of the most distinct styles in filmmaking. He didn't interject that at all. I felt in the movie. Like what? What could if you would like? Like I mean, I I, I messed up the uh, the director thinking it was Ridley Scott. I mean, if it was a true Tim Burton esque film i think it'd be impossible to, to do that mm. impossible to forget that you're watching a tim burton movie uh yeah and and i think one thing you have to take into account too is sort of the weird story the the remake had where i mean they had been working on it for nearly a decade by the time the movie came out at one point oliver stone was attached sam uh, Raimi, who you may know from spider-man was attached arnold schwarzenegger was attached to act in it at one point and went through a number of writers a number of plots um Many of which were, you know, I'll just quickly read this. Um, This was the 93 version of the script, uh, quote, Set in the near future, a plague is making humans extinct. Geneticist Will Robinson, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, discovers the plague is a genetic time bomb embedded in the Stone Age. He time travels with a pregnant colleague to a time when uh, Paleolithic humans were at war for the future of the planet with highly evolved apes. Um... They discover a young human girl to be the next step in evolution. Um, It is revealed the apes created the virus to destroy the human race. They must protect her from the virus, uh, and in the end, they succeed. Now, does that sound anything like Planet of the Apes to you? Uh, No, it's not the movies, but I believe that's where the the direction the books went in. It sounds like they're trying to take the entire series of the books and, and squeeze it into one movie. Yes, which actually would be a pretty cool idea. I actually kind of like that idea. That it sounds much closer to the successful prequels than it does to the remake, right? Yeah, it's um, not the movie that we got. But exactly, it's, it's it's the movie that that I think should have been. And then you have a lot of. I could read the Wikipedia article is very interesting, but just the number of you know budget cuts and changes in directors, you know. This movie was kind of set up to fail from the get-go. Yeah. I think it so it been... seems like, yeah, this is one of those movies that kind of just got lost in the grinder. But this happens with a lot of, of sort of remakes and, and, and associated franchises, which is where, you know, I, I don't remember what studio this is, Paramount or whoever owns a uh, Fox, owns the rights to a movie. They'll just keep hammering until someone comes up with a halfway decent way to make it. Um, because it's they're not buying a new script. They already own the rights. So... You know, they're not pouring a ton of money into it yeah. <laughs> until it gets to actually shooting. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that that's just um, like an idea I think that they had. Um, they didn't go with it. And, and it just feels like nothing was nothing from the, the team around it, it. Like it didn't feel personal to me. It didn't feel like they really valued the story or the... Uh, the concept of, of anything going on in the movie. Uh, so that's why I, I just, uh, I mean, I was pretty disappointed when I saw it. Like I said, now I can't really remember much about it, but I remember coming out of that movie with, with much disappointment. Yeah. Pr- pretty weak. Um, not that the original was a, was, was a, a fan, an amazing movie, but it was a good movie with a cult following that I think would have been tough to follow up regardless of the script, but like a lot of movies, um, Went through, I think, just too many revisions to to be a true mm-hmm. success. So, now that original story is is one. I mean that 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 uh yeah that original movie, and of course the the book it's based on. That's such an original story. 
right? I feel like it's it's almost like a Twilight Zone episode made into a feature length film in terms of its originality. Um, so it, it, like you said, ideas are a lot harder to come by. You don't see anything like that anymore. Yeah, but you know what though? I, I I'm you know I'm thinking about this. Imagine a world. Imagine a world where uh, the original Planet of the Apes never came out. Mm-hmm. The book exists, but they never made a movie about it. And they made the same 68 version movie today with the, the, the same general plot and the same type of acting. And, you know, <clears throat> I don't think it would work today. Regardless of, of if there was an original remade or not, if it just had never existed and they made it brand new today. I just think it was a different time in 68 where movies were doing interesting things like this sort of twist story and and where the fact that apes you know the makeup at the time was pretty revolutionary in the movie uh where today we sort of laugh at it i just think our movies have become so fantastical that you would have had to that's what tim burton or well really whoever wrote it came up with the the twist ending at the at the end of the remake where it was like he goes he gets off the planet and supposedly lands back on earth but it is earth but it's all it's all apes now but it's still earth and and no one quite knows what it means like they tried to do i just i don't think you could get away with doing this today maybe it's a movie that deserves prequels like they did instead of a direct remake um because i just don't think i just don't think this works today yeah yeah right i i it's uh i we we've been wowed so much before by so many different things i think that this would kind of just be like, oh, that's interesting. Like, what do you got next? But I think that's right. Yeah. So where to next after our, our Planet of the Apes? Where we had so headed? we're gonna move from a planet full of apes to a candy factory full of Oompa Loompas. We're gonna talk Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and its uh, remake, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Mm. We'll start in the 70s. 1971, directed by Mel Stewart, starring the great Gene Wilder as Willy Wonka, an adaptation of Roald Dahl's book, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, um, telling the story of Charlie Bucket, an orphan. Uh, well, no, he's not an orphan, I'm sorry. A very poor child um, who gets a golden ticket and gets to visit a fantastical chocolate factory with other children. They learn a bunch of lessons, and in the end, uh, everything is good. Released in 1971. Um <coughs> It was not a. I actually did not know this. But it was actually not a box office success. It only earned about a million dollars more than its budget at the end of its original run. Um, hmm. But today, considered a great film, uh, so great that uh, Tim Burton once again just couldn't keep his hands to himself and decided to remake it as Charlie and the Chocolate Factory in 2005, starring Johnny Depp as Willy Wonka. Essentially, the same story. Um, in a lot of ways, uh, tweaked in little places here and there. Certainly the tone and style were different, uh, but the general beats of the plot were very similar. Um, Matt, do you want to uh, maybe start on this one? Give give us some early thoughts on, on these two films. Sure. Uh, th- this is actually a pretty uh, stark contrast to the movie we just talked about, The Planet of the Apes. The, uh, the Charlie slash Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory um movies are so they're 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 very different from one another right i mean they're very uh the music was rewritten for the remake um the uh some of the story was changed a little bit so and and this one actually really got it really got the tim burton treatment 
right? You can tell it was it was a Tim Burton movie. Uh, not not in the sense of like a, a dark and sinister Tim Burton, but like kind of like a whimsical, fantastical Tim Burton, like we saw with Alice in Wonderland several years later. Um, I liked the uh, the idea that the Oompa Loompas weren't little orange men anymore. They were they were pretty much uh, how they were described in the book, um, more like little tiny like pygmy natives almost. Um, which was an interesting direction because uh, actually Roald Dahl got a lot of uh, retroactive flack for his depiction of uh, like savage natives or whatever in his factory. Um, uh, and and, and uh, Tim Burton erred on the side of staying true to the story rather than uh, rather than cater to the, uh, you know, am I getting too racist here kind of thing? Uh, he didn't, he didn't really care much about PC. Um, but that was all right. I think that the, the movie didn't really have a huge success if I'm not mistaken, the, the remake. Um, but it was, it was a fun movie. Uh, it followed the general premise of, uh, of Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory. I think that the biggest problem I had with it was the songs. I didn't really much care for the songs in the, in the new one, in the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. They were they were very weird. They replaced the geese that lay the golden eggs with squirrels for some reason. Although... Maybe that was in the book. I don't well, really Well, yeah, remember. I forget. One of them is accurate. Yeah. And and one of them is not. I, I forget. I the squirrels are more... Act. Squirrels were in the book. Yeah, so I, I think that, and, and, and even the title, the book is called Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It was Squirrels in the book. You're right. Okay. Yeah, so 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 he's really, Tim Burton was really going for uh, realism, really going for staying true to the book, yeah. uh, which was great. I think that this movie is a much better example of a, uh, a remake than Planet of the Apes, for sure. I think, so, uh, well, a couple things. One... To me, I'm 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 just really picky about terminology, and and for me the distinction between a remake and a reboot is that a remake is much more shot for shot and much more literal, where a reboot is taking an existing plot and giving it a twist. For me, this is a reboot, whereas Planet of the Apes yeah. is a remake. That's just my terminology. Not trying to be picky, but for me, this while having the general beats of the same story but is now- a radically different movie. In, in, I mean, I'm not sure if, if this is correct either, but my my understanding of a reboot was that it was implied that it was the direction it was heading in was for sequels and for uh, a series rather. So, like a franchise character like Spider Man, he gets rebooted because you're going to make uh, more movies that feature him. You're going to make a lot of uh, oh, no, no, you're more right. spin-offs. Reboot means to discard all continuity in an established series in order to yeah. re- recreate its character's timeline and backstory from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, that was that was my understanding. I guess they are all remakes. Okay. All right. Well, terminology aside, you're right. Terminology aside, yeah. let me put a big asterisk disclaimer right at the top of this. I do not like Johnny Depp, and I do not like Tim Burton fantastical movies. I do not like Nightmare Before Uh-oh. Christmas. I do not like Alice. I do not like any of those movies. I find them annoying, and I do not care for them. 
Now, I do not like them, Sam. I, <laughs> I do not like them very much. I do not like green eggs and ham. That's exactly right. I do not like Tim Burton and John <laughs> But I'm going to try and remove that, open my eyes, try and have an open mind when it comes to these two films. I think I have a really tough time with this because... The, for me, the original Willy Wonka is 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 very analogous to the Planet of the Apes in that it has that 60s, 70s feel that I really like in films, so maybe I'm a little biased that way too. I think, you know, when I, I scanned through the Wikipedia page while you were talking, I was not listening to what you were saying. Um, apparently, uh, Roald Dahl's daughter felt the Tim Burton version was much more faithful and accurate to her father's vision when he wrote the book. I believe that. I believe the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the 70s version, is not intended to be a literal interpretation of the book. It is meant to be a movie loosely based on a book. I'm okay with that. I agree. I like the songs better in the 70s version than I do in the new version. Um, <coughs> for me, I think... I, I'm going to give credit where credit's due. I think the tone is makes more sense in the Johnny Depp version. It is a dark story. It is a weird story. I think one of the best scenes in the 70s Willy Wonka is when they're going through the tunnel in the ship and, you know, uh, he, he's going a little mad and he's shouting at them. And, like, that sort of weird twisted side I felt like we didn't quite get enough of, um, you know, because we had the Candyman song and we had a lot of kind of fun stuff that I, I appreciated the new tone in the new movie. That being said, I think that I think that uh, Tim Burton showed a lot of restraint in not going there and not going into that territory because he would have loved to. And I think he would have delved a little bit too much. Yeah, I, I think I think these movies make sense for him as a director and his style. Alice in Wonderland, I think, is the same way that fits him to a T. That is a weird, dark story that is really twisted. Mm -hmm. um, and he is perfect for that. I will say unequivocally that Gene Wilder is a better Willy Wonka than Johnny Depp. Yeah, I, I agree. I care about the tone of the movie. I just think Gene Wilder did a better job of being <clears throat> believable is not a good word because it is a fantastical character, but I think just a character you can understand better. A character with a range of emotions. You had the the fun Willy Wonka guy. You had the the serious, the crazy. You really saw the whole range in that movie. For me, Johnny Depp was just like weird michael period. jackson yeah it, w it was very uh <laughs> on the surface straightforward you knew what it was the second you saw it there was no yeah. levels there was no complicated none of that so i think gene wilder a much better willy wonka in terms of the story overall i think you got to give a lot of credit i would consider this a successful remake not just because of the box office but because i think it took it wasn't just a remake for remake sake these are different movies yeah they yeah really that's are that's the main thing. I think the main thing that you can take away is that unlike the Planet of the Apes example, it's not just the same movie sort of rehashed and just thrown back out X amount of years later. It's There are some original thought put into the film. There's some original ideas injected. And in this one, it even resurrects a lot of the old concepts from the book that weren't seen in the 1970s movie. So I think this is the perfect example this this is is one of those benchmarks that 
other remakes should should sort of aspire to. I think the question you have to ask yourself is, can these two movies stand together in parallel, right? Or is it worth having both of them? Planet of the Apes, no. I think you just need the original. You don't need the other one. You toss it. I don't need it. But yeah. on this one, I see the value of having both. And that, to me is a successful remake. Uh, before we move on to our next movie, I just want to give you a little fun fact here. Um, Matt, tell me, these are some of the other actors Warner Brother considered for the role of Willy Wonka other than Johnny Depp. Okay, <laughs> Tell me we... if any of these sound like a good idea to you. Okay. <clears throat> Starting most notably, the, the actor most likely behind Johnny Depp to have done the role of Willy Wonka in this film, Nicolas Cage. <laughs> I swear to God. That would have been excellent. The second most likely... Jim Carrey, who actually I think yeah. could have been an interesting Willy Wonka, also considered Michael Keaton. No. Brad Pitt, who I think would have never done it. But definitely, definitely not. Will Smith <laughs> and Adam okay. Sandler. I could. Oh God. <laughs> Adam Sandler doing Willy Wonka. Adam you... Sandler. Adam Sandler has my vote. I'm that, sorry. That I was may... I was about to give it to Will Smith, but. Adam Sandler has Honestly, my vote. I would have, I would have loved to have seen Adam Sandler do Willy Wonka. I will say it would have been hysterical. You know, he would have been talking in that, in ooh, that, uh, yeah, kind of like that Adam Sandler voice. That he does. You know, I, I will tell you, I am unequivocal in saying the Willy Wonka remake starring Adam Sandler would have been the worst movie ever made. Uh, the I don't think there's best any worst that. movie ever made. Oh no, I don't even think it would have been funny. Good. Oh, I think it would have just awesome. been awful oh my god i can't even imagine in the movie he also plays one of the kids too in the movie hello charlie want a piece of pie <laughs> and then he takes out his guitar and sings a song about hanukkah somehow in the middle <laughs> oh man oh he's so terrible unbelievable anyway thank goodness if those are the alternatives i'm kind of okay with johnny as long as it, if it was billy madison era adam sandler and not yeah. like Click era Adam Sandler, tone, or, see, no, or even worse, blended era Adam Sandler. It doesn't say. It would have been if, hysterical. It doesn't say if my guess is Depp came on when Burton came on. Because if it were Adam Sandler in the Tim Burton version of this movie, that would have been interesting. That I would have liked, where it's all like dark and weird, and it's Adam Sandler. <laughs> Adam Sandler. That would have been an amazing movie. Yeah. Uh, an Adam Sandler type movie, nah, not so much, but. We'll have to leave that at that. <coughs> Excuse me. So, um, we've got to continue on um, with our next movie series. Um, we're going to move on from Fantastical Chocolate Factories to Nakatomi Plaza because we're going to talk one of my personal favorite films, Die Hard. Die Hard. This is Bruce Willis starring as New York City cop John McClane. Uh, doing bad things to terrorists in multiple movies, starting with 1988's Die Hard. On Christmas Eve, his wife Holly, um, he, he visits her at Nakatomi Plaza in Los Angeles, and it's taken over by East German terrorists led by one of the best Hans terrorists Gruber. named Hans Gruber. <laughs> yes! Love it. Alan Rickman, who is amazing in that role. He's amazing um, in every role. He crazy. is. I'll give him credit. I, I'm a big Alan Rickman fan. Um, and, of course, he goes ahead and just shreds a bunch of terrorists, followed up by Die Hard 2, uh, the second film taking place in Washington, D.C., Dulles Airport. Uh, mercenaries attempt to uh, take over a plane uh, to free a captured Latin American dictator en route to the airport. Um, McLean... No one believes him. It's happening, so he has to go renegade and stop them. Followed up by 95's Die Hard with a Vengeance. 
Jeremy Irons threatens to blow up uh, places in the city um, until McLean solves riddles and challenges. He's joined by Samuel L. Jackson uh, in this mm-hmm. film as well. Simon, the brother of Hans Gruber, uh, in this film. Then comes the long sequel. So this is the part we're talking about. <coughs> and that is yeah. Live Free or Die Hard 2007s. Uh, 12 years after the third movie, uh, we have the fourth movie starring Justin Long as a computer hacker um, who McLean has to work with to save the United States from a terrorist mastermind played by Timothy Oliphant um, using cyber warfare on the United States. And of course, that was followed up by 2013's A Good Day to Die Hard. Uh, starring McLean as he worked with his son in Moscow. Wow. That is yeah. a lot. It's an extensive list. I've seen most of those. I think I just, I, the only one I missed was the most recent one, the one with his son. You know, I never saw Die Hard with a Vengeance, the third one. That was the only one I never got around to seeing. That was my favorite one. I got to watch that. The third with Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. I love that one. Yeah, oh. that was easily my favorite. Well, no, the first one's really great. The first, first one's it's cl- it's good in a classic way, but my but my personal favorite was the third one. I own I think 5 movies on Blu-ray. One of them is Die Hard. Yeah. It's, exactly. it's a classic, yeah. And, and you watch and it every Christmas. It's a, it's a Christmas movie, which is amazing. It's a Christmas movie. When, Best you've had Christmas a, movie. when you've had enough of Nightmare Before Christmas, you can put on Die Hard. Yeah. Um let me get started talking with these. You know, I, I've said before, I am a a massive fan of Die Hard, uh, and even Die Hard 2 to some degree. Um, although, you know, I never felt the sequels really lived up to the original, although I haven't seen the third one, so I guess I can't say. But, you know, I, I think what was really great was it was it was 1988. We're smack in the middle of sort of a, a golden era of sorts in action movies. So when you start talking things like a, a Terminator and, and sort of these films, the... When action today, action films are very CGI heavy. They're very stunt heavy. Die Hard wasn't. It took place in one building for the entire movie. Think about that. Yeah, that very, was very low budget. Today. Yeah. It was amazing, and they didn't use crazy space weapons or any sci-fi anything. It was honestly just Bruce Willis doing ridiculous things with a crazy, over-the-top villain. In a plot that really didn't make any sense. But it was so entertaining. It was yeah. great. It's um, really a movie that it keeps your suspense every time you watch it. it really like, you know you know what's going to happen, but you're still on the edge of your seat. Suspense is a great way to put it. And I think what's really great about this movie is... <coughs> oh my god. I am like whistling coughing. Um, I, You know, what, what I think is really great about this movie is that it's not about anything. There's really barely a plot. I guess John McClane trying to get his wife back. Uh, okay, maybe a little bit. But it's really just a, a small glimpse into this world of, like, what if action were real? And it was kind of like a, this ridiculous world we live in. Another thing I like about the movie, too, is I thought it was very well shot. Especially that, like, the famous last shot of Hans Gruber falling out of the building. <laughs> and, no! You know, and he dies. So iconic. Yeah. You know, the, 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 you know, toes curling on the carpet <laughs> to kill jet lag and the, 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 the guy killed in the elevator with the sweater where it's like, I forget, what does it say on the sweater? Where it's like, ho, ho, ho. And I think it was, uh, no, wasn't it, um, didn't say like hope or something like that? Hope for all seasons or I forget. Yeah, whatever it was. But it was so over the top. It was so good. Um, <clears throat> you know, the, the plot really, really didn't make any sense but i think that was great it was honest to goodness and an action film to be an action film and 
And that's why I think it's held up so well over the years. Now, when it comes to Live Free or Die Hard, we'll skip ahead to 2007 because that's really what we're talking about. Yeah. 12 years have gone by. Bruce Willis is a lot older. Live Free or Die Hard is not a good movie. I'm going to come out and say it. <laughs> it's not a good movie. It's not. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, I the don't know. The plot doesn't make any sense. No. They it's full you think of so? it's full of all the things that weren't in Die Hard that I liked, which was it's full of over the top stunts, over the top acting. It just it, it is a movie that seems like it came out in 2007 when action movies stopped being true hmm. action movies where it was all about the the big explosions and the you know the the over the top villains possibly the worst thing about it for me anyway was all the hacker bs that they shoved into this film like yeah. very very little of it makes sense almost none of it makes sense let's be honest um with Justin Long as as the computer hacker he works with you know they shut down all of the power and utilities for the entire country like Okay, you know, it was like Nakatomi Plaza made sense, even with like the ridiculous yeah. bear bonds and whatever. Like, I I'll think they were they were really catering to the dot comers, right? Well, they were. It felt like they were purposefully very... trying to up. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, definitely. And you know, they're trying to yeah make it make it more readily available to a new generation of uh, action people who like being on the computer, basically. And to me, that doesn't work for a real honest-to-goodness action movie. It mm-hmm. just doesn't. Come up with a new action movie idea. Or even take an existing one and tweak it. But don't do sequels of action movies after a long time has passed. I don't. I can't think of a good example where that has worked. You know, is Taken the most original idea ever? No. But if you had used a, a version of that movie from the 80s and tried to remake it today, it, I just don't think it translates as well. Mm-hmm. I have a tough time with that because... You can only watch, you know, by now they had already made three Die Hard movies. <laughs> you can only watch Bruce Willis beat up henchmen. So even James Bond is played by different actors, you know? I mean, there, there was nothing particularly unique or original about this movie. They just took a character and put him in a new ridiculous situation. There was no evolution. Oh, there was see. no... I think this is where you're missing the point, though, Sean. I think that it was, the whole point was that he's supposed to be like his character from the 80s but like the it's like where the world has has kind of it's a story where like the the world has kind of changed around him and he's kind of like adapting to it i'm trying to think of a good example of of when this happens in another film because it is a it is a it's a trope if you will of like no i you know, listen you know i'm getting too old for this shit i you know i get it, it it's sort of when when these characters have to adapt after I you know I get that and I'm okay with that plot point that's fine but Die Hard is a straight action movie it is about shooting bad guys and crawling through ducks and terrorists with guns don't overthink it and for me live for your die hard was overthinking it now we have to have super hackers shutting down the country we have to have cars going off ramps into helicopters like <laughs> why are you messing with a working formula Leave it alone. See, to to me, that was all, like, intentional. Like, it was all, like, they they had all that set up so that you could focus on phone. Man, it must be so tough being this popular. Yeah, so it was almost, it's almost like, um, it's almost like this, this, they, they, the world has changed around him. 
but he's still the same and and it shows you how he still kicks ass even though he's old now he barely he, kicked ass in that movie i i think he kicked a fair amount of ass right. and his daughter was there too and she yeah. was kicking ass that was great so I think that's really what it is. I've talked enough, Matt. What What are your thoughts? You sound a little more positive on Live Free or Die Hard. I really like them. I really liked Live Free or Die Hard. I, I really enjoyed it. Now, I didn't see the most recent film in the franchise. Uh, no one did. No one did. But this one, Live Free or Die Hard, I, I, th I thought it was very good. I thought that it was, uh, it was, it was like a, hey, remember me? I'm awesome kind of, kind of look at, um, at the franchise. And yeah, like the whole thing is like the technology is there, but he doesn't really get it. That's why Justin Long is there to help him out because he's the young computer guy in the modern era. But he still kicks ass as like a classic guy and he's doing what he does. Like he's keeping it true. He's keeping it real in a world that has moved on without him. And I think that's what the movie is about, really. When it comes down to it, it's keeping it real. That's the premise of the movie. And by keeping it real, he's able to beat the terrorists. He says his iconic yippee Kaye line at the end. Uh, and it was awesome. That was weak. I really liked it. All right. I left the theater very satisfied. This is, a, this is Matt, this is a pretty legitimate disagreement I think we're going to have on this one. This is. This is, a, this is a heated one. This is a heated one. Very controversial. Uh, I will point out some fun facts for you. Bruce Willis has stated absolutely he wants to do a sixth one. He claims it's in Good. the works. So... Um, well, now you're getting into like Rocky Five territory. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, to go back to your roots, I think it'd be good. The other thing I will point out is that uh, Die Hard, Die Hard Two, uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance, and Live Free or Die Hard are actually all based on separate existing works that are unrelated to one another. Die Hard and Die Hard Two on two different novels by two different authors. Die Hard with a Vengeance based on a script unrelated to the Die Hard franchise, which was also intended to be the original script for Lethal Weapon 4, hmm. and they changed it to Die Hard, and Live Free or Die Hard was based on a Wired magazine article from 1997, so uh, A Good Day to Die Hard was the first film in the series to come from an original screenplay. Interesting. So well, Those are some fun facts. Those facts are fun. Absolutely. In the original Die Hard, 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Live Free or Die Hard, 82%, the second highest rated in the franchise, so... Rotten Tomatoes likes it. Hmm. Well, uh, we're out of time, Matt. We're Can out of you time. Believe it. I cannot believe it. You, you, you're like I still I cannot, cannot believe, believe it. Not buying it. Mm. Well, Matt, it's true. I think we're just gonna have to deal with it. Uh, but good news for everyone out there. We're gonna be back with our next episode, which is gonna be more reboots, remakes, long-awaited sequels. This time about television. So I mentioned earlier in the show, The Odd Couple just made a remake, uh, 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 was brought back. Um, I'm thinking, and, and I'm not committing to this, but shows like Arrested Development we might talk about. Um, shows like Futurama, which was off the air for a number of years and they brought back. We might talk about that. Um, I don't know. We got a lot of options. So um, <clears throat> we'll, we'll certainly have a lot to work with. Um, I think television, in my opinion anyway, is a richer ground for reboots and remakes. I feel like that happens more yeah. often on television than anywhere else. It seems like it does. Star Trek Star is well, another good one. Star Trek, yeah, of course. Um, 
the problem I most of the ones I'm thinking of were you know like they did the Bionic Woman they remade Night Rider they did a remake. Uh, problem is most of them don't stick around, so uh, we'll have to find some that were <laughs> yeah. successful, um, yeah. which may be more difficult. But Star uh, Trek. Tune in next week and find out. Problem mm-hmm. is I've never seen Star Trek, so I don't know. Well, get watching. You know, Matt, I I was thinking about it before right we now. called, but I am this close to agreeing to watch Star Wars for this show. Star Wars. Star Wars for the show. For the show. See, no, this is bad because I, I I need to see your reaction to Star Wars. So we're gonna have to watch it together. Okay. I think we can you set can't, something you up. You can't watch it solo. Yeah. I, I need to see it. I, that's what I, I say this to to anyone who hasn't seen Star Wars. I need to see I've never I've never actually been with A someone who has, who has watched Star Wars for the first oh time? My goodness. It must it's be never a happened. Experience. We'll have to figure yeah. something out. We'll have to maybe so, do a, a weekend movie marathon or something. Yeah. I think so. All right. Uh, but next week we'll be back with TV stuff. Um, now we have a question, Matt, for for the folks coming back next week. That question is: uh, Who would play you in the rebooted version of your life? What what actor would play you in the rebooted version of your life? And what would the title of that reboot be? Yeah. So that reboot can be anything you want it to be. Doesn't it can be the dark twisted version of your life? It can be the the fun like friends playing in the fountain version of your life. It can be the the diehard Bruce Willis uh, Nakatomi Plaza version of your life. Um, <coughs> whatever, however you want it to be. Who would play you and what would the Planet of the Apes version of Planet your of the life? Apes version of your life, Damn, where you live in a apes. world that's controlled by a population of genetically superior apes. Uh, who knows anything's possible in in your own imagination so let us know at goldilocks show on twitter tweet us your response or you can email it to us goldilocks show at gmail.com let us know we'll talk about it on the air next week um matt anything else before we let the people go Uh, i think next week we are going to have to podcast free or die trying fast and furious Six. <laughs> the the prequel to the sequel of the trilogy of five books. Of the Revenge Strikes Doug- Back podcast harder. The repodcasting. Yeah. Okay. That's that's next week. That's next week. Well you have to tune in then. On behalf of Matt, I wish everyone out there a fair good night. We'll see you on the next episode of Until then. So Yippie Kaye.